Hi, my name is Hans-Peter Meyer, and you're listening to the Lyft Startups podcast series, all about the entrepreneurs, creatives, and small businesses who are growing the next economy on Vancouver Island. Good morning, James. Hey, Hans, how are you doing? I'm pretty good. Now, good. this morning, folks, I'm talking to James Flawith of Little Worker Safety Gear in the Comox Valley. James, what is Little Worker Safety Gear? Little Worker Safety Gear is a line of real safety gear designed specifically for kids. So we manufacture a, a, a bit of a line of things now between from backpacks, toques, and uh, t-shirts, vests, fleeces. They've all got bright contrasting colors and Highly reflective materials to try to help keep kids safe when they're walking around the roadways or tearing through the aisles of Costco. <laughs> well, now, what makes this unique or innovative? I mean, I don't know, safety gear for kids. It doesn't sound like, like what's special about what you're doing? Well, I honestly, I, I don't think much. And I didn't think much. Let's say I didn't think much at the beginning because I didn't really intend to start this company. It was something I was looking for for my own boys who would love, they'd love to get dressed up to be just like me. And they'd end up kind of like tackling me after I get home from work and stripping my safety gear off after wrestling and parade around the house in it. They'd get their feet tangled in the long adult sizes. So I went, well, this isn't going to work. Let's get you guys some stuff that you could actually wear, wear around safely. And, uh, and then they can dress up and pretend to be like me and, and go from there. So I started looking for stuff that replicated what I wear on the job site. Um, I'm a certified utility arborist. I do tree service work and specifically utility tree work for, for BC hydro here. And, um, so bright contrasting, highly reflective clothing is mandatory when you're working near roadways. And, um, I could not find anything for kids that replicated what I'd wear on the job site. It was, I was pretty shocked and I kind of started asking around like, Hey, has anybody heard of this? Or, you know, when I couldn't find it online or in retail stores, I kind of started asking, asking around and, and nobody had seen anything like that. Nobody had heard about anything like that. And, and I, I kind of was in shock and disbelief. I thought, you know, this has got to be out there. And, and when I, when I realized the safety implications and not just um, creating something awesome that kids would love to get dressed up and pretend to play around in, but um, the actual benefits of having something like this on kids walking to school or riding their bikes or, or running around the mall, um, just making them easier to see for, for everybody, including drivers and parents. Uh, it kicked me into action. And, and that's when I, decided to try creating uh creating this and prototyping it myself because I, I thought you know I was in disbelief that that it wasn't already out there and and I've kind of been on a bit of a, a hunt ever since like that was about two and a half years ago now and I still haven't been able to find anything that really imitates what we're doing so it's um yeah it's I guess it it was I, I hesitate to say an invention because I really, really don't think that it was like that. It was just um, something different that nobody else seemed to be doing. So that's where we're at today is that that's what we do. So, so like, why are you like you've become really passionate about this and, and, and you're already a busy guy. You've got three kids. You've got a full time business. But this is. I mean, you showed up at my door two and a half years ago and said, like, talk me out of this idea. Like, I can't let it go. So uh, tell tell us why that you're so passionate about it. Well, it it really comes. Well, I mean, things change when you have kids. And when when we had our second son, he, he turned out he was a bit of a runner and likes he still likes to dart off. Like just last night, I was having to pin him down in the parking lot from from just beelining it. Um, so. You know, I I initially, like I said, thought that thought of the idea as, as something awesome for kids to play in, um, and then I don't know. I guess in I think every parent harbors like a, a internal kind of I don't want to say fear because it's not really like that. But you you're concerned about your kids' safety, I mean, and maybe fear is correct. But 
you you want to do what you can to protect them. So I guess I'm not sure when it was, but I like at the very beginning, I, I had a bit of a a bit of a like a, a bit of a dream almost that like I kind of I caught myself, um, you know, in a position where, you know, one of our sons was 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 actually run over by a car and I thought, Oh my God, wow. like I woke up and it, 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 it shook me right to my core, to be honest. And I thought, you know, what could have prevented this? And, you know, even though it hadn't happened to me personally, I started doing some research and realized that it had happened to enough families that, that it was a legitimate concern, you know, and that, that it, that it was something that actually happened. And, I thought, you know, what can, what can I do to prevent this? You know, as a, as a dad and a new, relatively new dad, you know, I'm a kind of a proactive guy. Like what, what could have prevented this? And, and, and I was working with this developing little worker safety gear and it kind of like the, the dots almost clicked and the stars aligned. I thought, you know, like I've been wearing, I've been wearing the preventative solution for this kind of an accident the whole time I've been at work. And, you know, the hazards at work are, are really the same as the hazards at play. Like the hazards of the road exist, whether you're walking to school or cutting a tree down for, for a customer roadside. Um, and the, the number one kind of preventative measure for, you know, mitigating or preventing that is to have, be bright, contrasting and highly reflective so that the people around can see. And, and when I realized the safety implications of what I was doing and how it could benefit parents and families and increase familial safety, as well as that I really believe that the kids would like to get dressed up in construction-like gear, um, even just to play around, just for the novelty of it. I kind of got myself into a, a bit of a different level to, to try to tackle it and decided that I'd commit myself to to, to making this product not just for my own kids but for for everybody's kids so that everybody had had access to real safety gear for kids do, do you have access to numbers like you were talking about like that that the incidence of, of kids getting hit by cars is pretty high or that there are big numbers so do you have numbers on that i believe I, i'm not the best stat like when I started researching it, <laughs> it got really hard really quick because when you put like something like that into Google, you get image results and video results and a lot of things. And um, so it kind of it kind of shocked me when I realized, you know, some of the things that I saw and I kind of like, you know, you kind of scramble for the mouse or, or look for the X to get out as fast as you can. And, you know, for me, that was, that was enough, but there are a lot of good resources out there that indicate like, you know, child pedestrian accidents are, are, are a serious concern. I think uh, worldwide statistics are, I think somewhere in the range of 500 kids, uh, every day I think are, are killed or injured in, in accidents. And this is taking in third world countries too. Like there's a lot of people in the world. Yeah. And, and one thing that I really, I mean, maybe it's a bit to the detriment of what I'm trying to do, but I, I really hesitate. I like, and I, I refuse to say, you know, like the scare side of marketing where you would say, Oh, you know, your kid will get hit by a car if he doesn't wear this or, you know, using statistics to scare people into buying a product. Like I really don't believe in that. And, and, and partially like I, I did enough research to think, okay, uh, this is an issue. And I mean, for me, what if it was just one kid? What if it was just one? And, and there is definitely more than one. And I thought if there was anything that, that I could do or, or anybody could do to prevent from prevent that from happening to even one kid, one family that, that it would be worth whatever, whatever you could put into it, you know, your, your potentially your whole life, you know, and, and that's really what I've based the company and what I do around, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a tough, tough sell. Cause if we're, if we're having an impact and we're doing the right thing, like ultimately, you know, you're not going to hear stories. You're not going to hear bad stories. You're going to hear good stories and pictures of kids, 
you know, playing with their dads near their excavators and, uh, you know, on the farm and and you're not going to hear the negative sides of that. Right. So, um, for me that, and it's very similar to like industry, like one, one accident is one accident too many. So that's a good way to put it. So what kind of response have you had? I mean, you, you, you know, you, you talked to me about it and I suggested that you, you put your, you, you, you pitch it at a biz on deck and, and you got pretty enthusiastic response there, but, but what's happened since then in the last two and a half years then? Well, how, how have people responded to this? It's been very, very positive. Like it's been kind of me parading my show around to whoever would listen and uh, trying to get as much feedback as I can. You know, I started when I showed up at your door, you know, like at the very beginning and, and I remember searching online and we couldn't find anything and then you know i took it to the the lift biz on deck to get a group of entrepreneurs in the comox valley to give me some feedback and it was you know very well received and i man when i look at i still have the samples that i brought like the prototypes to that i i go oh my god like this was stuff that i had i had a factory in china give me two samples for t-shirts i had a, a a local seamstress make make a rain jacket and uh in a really early vest uh you know so some very very rudimentary things but it, like it's still really what i've got now is the final products it's still bright contrasting highly reflective very similar design like we made a lot of changes and improvements along the way but it's been roughly the same right so after lift we you know enough people had told me by that point that it was an amazing idea um that i kind of started believing it um, and you know, if enough people tell you, you, you should probably listen. And, and they were, most of them also said you should go on dragon's dead. And, uh, so that was kind of my next kind of thought was, well, I mean, I've got, got a, a lot of feedback locally. It's positive. Like I decided, you know, I'm going to go into manufacturing this stuff. And I kind of had my eyes set on maybe testing it on a bigger stage. So, over the course of that year, I brought the first manufacturing run in and started testing sales online and, and doing a little bit of in-person stuff. But uh, due to limited time, I really didn't have a ton of time to be selling it in-person things. Um, and, you know, uh, the following year, I auditioned to the Dragon's Den and then got accepted. And, and you know, as as I'm doing this, like every every there aren't very many, but every live event that I'd go to, to sell or a trade show, I'd get, I'd get so many people like kind of like high-fiving me and cheering me on. Like it was almost impossible to stop, you know, like you couldn't, the, the evidence was in people's reaction every time they saw it or they saw a kid in it. And I'd get emails all the time about, you know, what is this stuff? And, um, you know, ultimately wound up making it on the Dragon's Den show and, and, you know, that was last year. So that happened in April. And then I had to keep my mouth shut for like <laughs> six or seven months for the, almost the whole freaking year. It felt like 89 years. Um, but yeah. And then they, you know, they aired it in October, what actually happened. And, you know, over the course of that, I was continuing to test different ways of reaching people with the message, you know, whether it's Facebook and social media or, you know, blogging or, or even, you know, trade shows and events. Right. So I kept basically what I would call kind of barking it up the chain, you know, chasing it up the ladder to, to take to this person or that person and ask what they think different. And, and, and you're right when you said, like, I asked you to kind of kill the idea because I, I fully expected somebody to come up and tell me you're doing a great job, but it looks exactly like Fred's business over in Ontario who, who supplies all the daycares and all the preschools in most of Canada with, great highly reflective stuff and you know I, I guess maybe i'm not you know i wasn't looking to make billions of dollars but if somebody had given me a viable alternative i would have probably been like okay i don't need to do this somebody's got something that can keep kids safe and i can i can maybe back down you know but i, I never i never found that and in working with manjeet minhas after we shook hands on the the taping for the dragon and she her people searched and and they confirmed to me so after that it, it was there's no doubt in my mind that it was something i was going to continue doing that there was nobody in in north america making anything like what 
we make and specifically for kids. So that's got me to where I am right now. And now I'm kind of like at the point where some competition would be nice. <laughs> I guess I don't want to bring it down on myself, but I've been doing this alone for two and a half years now. So if we could get some more awareness of what's going on and what could, you know, it, it would be, it'd be all right. You know, I mean, but, um, you know, we're continuing on the path that we're on and, and it's, I don't mind being, being at the forefront of that. So I guess, uh, yeah, that's, that's where we're at to today. You know, I'm still, you know, sales this year have been going very well and, and definitely higher than last year. And you can't really ask for more than that. Right. So it's been, been great. Okay. The, who do you see as your target audience? I mean, the kids wear them. So who's buying it? There's kind of a, there's a range and it really depends on where people come across it. Um, so like just for an example, if I set up, uh, a booth at market days in Courtney, I'll get a lot of grandparents. Um, so people with maybe a bit more disposable income with grandkids who are looking for something cool for the kids to get dressed up in and a good chunk of them actually realize the safety benefits as well. And, and I make sure they know that if they stop to talk to me real quick. Um, and so I've noticed that. And then we have a pretty big Facebook following. We're like over 18,000 people now following our page and, that's a lot of parents and people that, you know, don't have time to get out to things, I think. And so a lot of our, our social referrals are driven from Facebook and they're just moms and dads who, who've seen something shared or they notice it on a kid down the street. Um, so, you know, and it's kind of, there's a range like dad see it and thinks it thinks it's awesome mom. And like, cause they like see how kids could, you know, dress up to be like them. And then moms, I think identify a little bit more with the safety side of things, but I mean, I, I don't want to generalize too much. Um, and then even daycares and preschools, and this has kind of been my own little secret wish is that we kind of get into competition to see who could ki- keep kids the safest and use that as a bit of a marketing plan for, for a daycare, you know? So mm-hmm. that's kind of happening. You see, there's a number of daycares around the Comox Valley now, and uh, starting to be up and down the island that have bought vests for kids. And, and that's, that's the idea of the vest is the, like an entry-level product that can be thrown on over anything or worn as its own layer that can just get kids bright and seen and use it as a, as a marketing plan. Like it's an investment. It's an investment in, in your business and it's an investment in your customer's kids' safety. And when a daycare doesn't provide something like that, you kind of go like for me, if I'm looking for somewhere with, to put my kids, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd like them to be at a place that, that was considered enough that, that they thought that would be uh, a worthwhile investment. Cause I definitely think that it is. So you've got a lot of different kind of um, targets. Uh, I don't like calling it targets. That sounds like I'm shooting people, um, but it's, it should be, you know, a different, a lot of different interested parties who could really benefit. And ultimately, you know, I think people have really seen that if you could keep one kid safe or prevent an accident, it, it's worth it. And the thing that I like to say, anytime anybody makes a purchase is I, I, I thank them and I thank them honestly for helping keep kids safe. Because I think even if that child would never be in a position to potentially be involved in a, in an accident. Maybe, maybe a neighbor sees that kid and, and and that causes the same thing to think of pop up in their head, like, Oh, well that's a good idea. And, and, you know, maybe I should get that for my kid. And, you know, eventually, eventually you're going to get one, you're going to get one that potentially could have been in an accident, but just happened to be wearing the right thing at the right time and something gets prevented, you know, and we'll never know. We'll never know if that's what actually, you know, when that will happen, but that's what keeps driving me to do what I'm doing. And, and I don't mind not knowing, you know what I mean? I mean, it's, it's a good feeling and I feel like I know that I'm doing something good that's needed out in the world and that there's not really any, um, you know, I don't need any more validation than that. 
Right. Yeah. So and I've, I've, I just see on on social media just the kind of response people have and how how um, how positive they are. I, I get it. Um, so where can we find you online? Well, we can be found at uh, everything's available at www.lilworkersafety.ca and that's l i l workersafety.ca. You an easy Google search and also Facebook and Instagram. I those are part of. I I, I use those as kind of platforms to kind of share other people's stories with the brand really you know as well as my own you'll find a ton of pictures of my own my boys and me playing around in high-vis gear you know whether we're working or playing yeah and uh, i like to use use our own experiences as a bit of um as a bit of a uh an example on you know where this kind of stuff could really come in handy and and where the kids can really get a kick out of wearing it you know and it's not just something that put it on to be safe but put it on and have fun and you're going to be safe too okay thanks a lot for that james we're just going to take a short break here uh we've been talking to james about little work safety gear we're going to come back and we're going to talk to james flaw with about james flaw with the entrepreneur so uh be right back thanks james yep no problem hey james hey Anz, how you doing welcome back i'm i'm well good so uh we just talked about little worker safety gear now we're going to talk about you as an entrepreneur and i um i believe last year you won young entrepreneur the comox valley chamber of commerce award is that right yeah, we were, uh, not we, me, sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was the winner of the 2016 uh, Comox the Chamber of Commerce Young, Young Entrepreneur Award. And this year, 2018, you were a winner of one of the top 20 under 40 on Vancouver Island. Is that right? Yeah, the top 20 under 40 business and community achievement awards were just held last weekend. I I, I won one of them. So that was, uh, I, I was kind of, I got to stop being humble. We've talked about that a little bit and Canadians <laughs> need to stop being humble. So it, I don't want to, you know, I thought I had just as good a chance as any, anybody, I wasn't, you know, expecting to be up there, but I was very flattered and humbled to have won. Cause there was really some amazing, really amazing people that get nominated for that. When you read the bios of like what some of the young people on Vancouver Island do are doing, like some of the young entrepreneurs and business people, it's, it's, amazing like it's almost like i don't know like you're you're you feel like you're in an entrepreneurial hotbed with some of the achievements it's it's not it's not the it's like the definition of um thinking locally and acting globally it's it's people pushing themselves to go bigger outside of the island uh things uh, not just in BC or Canada, but, you know, North American and worldwide, you know, projects and, and um, different things that have, people have got going on that, that are really making an impact. So it's, it's, it's a really big honor to be even just nominated um, for such an award and to, and to win, I was pretty, I was pretty happy about it. Well, and I also know that you've been nominated for the uh, BC Region uh, Startup Canada Award. So, We'll know more about that in the next month or so. Um, now, this part of the uh, interview is about who you are and, and some, some things like some of your background and stuff. Uh, what's your favorite thing about uh, your business today, whether it's Little Worker or uh, Precision Tree Services? Hmm. Well, I like them both for really different reasons. I mean, obviously, I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't, if I didn't like it and see some, some value or that I was giving something back like precision tree services is is just a continual challenge i really enjoy um the 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 physical actual work out in the field um i still i still do a lot of that and i and i I still want to do a lot of that um it's something from an early age that i i'd like to go to the gym and do really physical activities and i kind of found a trade and a profession that kind of paid me to stay in shape and to work out. So it worked out pretty good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. for little worker safety gear, I mean, I don't think that there's anything better than 
getting an email or having somebody who just randomly finds us and shoots me an email and it happens pretty frequently. So I'm really lucky, but that just, they're overjoyed with, with what they found. They're happy. They found us. They can't believe that they've looked for years for something like this. And, you know, um, and they want to go tell all their friends. And I, I kind of, I kind of, you know, or, or I get an email from somebody with, uh, some pictures of their, their little worker and, and, uh, just kids playing and having a good time and, and being safe too. Like it's, it's something that I really enjoy. And there's just so many different challenges with both companies, you know, from managing employees for precision to inventory and manufacturing and customer service for little worker, right? It's a, uh, it's a pretty wide range of different, uh, different skills that I'm trying to develop to try to make sure that the, the wheels stay on the bus and the bus stays on the road. <laughs> um, so now stepping back from that, uh, what was your, in, in your career and your, in your life, what's been your biggest failure and what did it teach you? Huh? That's interesting. I, you know, I, I think these days, Something that kind of bugs me, and I, I, I don't know, I'm probably slowly putting my foot in my mouth. So if you can't hear me, just let me know at some point. I think there's a bit of an obsession with, like, failure acceptance and failure culture. And I mean that in that if you're not an entrepreneur, unless you failed and fail fast and fail this and fail that and I hate that. I, I, I just, I I hate that. I mean, if if you try to start a business and it doesn't work out, I wouldn't call that a failure. You've probably learned at least as much as you would have learned, uh, you know, taking post-secondary education or reading books or whatever. I, I think that the definition of failure is somebody who doesn't even get out of the bed in the morning and try and I don't understand that and I've never done that so <laughs> I don't think of I don't think of any anything that I've done as being a failure like you could say hey James you walked out of your last criminology final in Malaspina four courses away from getting a BA you wrote down on the essay that you can't do this anymore and left and then moved out of town. You failed. And I don't, you know, I would say, no, I didn't. I realized what I really wanted to do and that what I was doing wasn't what I was doing and that my time had passed for that activity and that I needed to move on. Um, Okay. You know, like, so I think that, I think that I don't want to like get down on anything for post-secondary education wise, but I think that, uh, you know, I, I think that failure is an event and I'm going to just totally rip that off from Zig Ziglar. Failure is an event, not a person. So something that happens to people, it's not people. So there is no failure. It's all a mindset thing. Okay. Good one. Um, Have mentorship or community played a role in in your success to date? Well, I would, I would say yes, for sure. Like anybody that, that, um, to, to succeed, you have to have like a pretty solid network of people behind you. You know, you're only as successful as the people you surround yourself with. So since uh, getting involved with Precision, starting that company, I, I corresponded very closely with my old, old boss and a couple of other industry contacts to help me kind of get my head straight and figure that business out, you know, with, uh, with little worker coming on board and coming online contacting you and Lyft and, and the experiences that I've had with other entrepreneurs, um, though, though fairly infrequent because when you're buried like I am, you don't get out of the house a lot. But, um, you know, I think that being around other like-minded individuals who are, who are positive and that want to make a difference and, and working on their own things kind of helps you elevate your own game, right? So I think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of positives with that you know in the Comox Valley Chamber of Commerce does really good work I'm a member of that as well as um, uh, whatever whatever else is out there I mean I've done a lot of things so it's it's important to have contacts and to to be out 
in the community while you're doing what you're doing, especially if you're trying to provide a service or a product to people, you, you want to get their feedback. And, and the only way to do it is by asking and taking your ideas and talking about them. Okay. Now you, uh, you have, you hire a number of people for um, precision tree. So uh, who was your most important hire? I mean, maybe you're hiring people for a little work, but I'm, I'm not sure, but who was your most important hire and, and why were they important? My most important hire. Um, hmm. That's an interesting question. I, I am still working on trying to get that part of things down. That is a pretty big challenge when you're working with, with other people and employees, especially like an owner employee relationship is it's a, it's challenging. So um, yeah, my, my most important hire I think is it's not the person, but it's the system that I'm trying to develop that, allows the people to work for me to, to really uh, develop more skills and improve themselves while um, building our company. So that's still a work in progress. Okay. Okay. Good answer. So are you a reader? Yeah, I read a lot. Okay. So uh, as a kid, what, what was your favorite book? I used to like all the comic books and then the goosebumps series by RL Stein was something that I definitely probably read all of those. There was a lot of them, but I remember reading those a lot and the Hobbit too. (laughs) Okay. And uh, as an adult, did you have a favorite book as an adult? Um, I, I, I kind of, my favorite book changes from one awesome book to the next kind of thing. It's kind of, what I'm what I'm reading that that month or that year you know there's definitely a couple that I've read a couple of times um so I do I mean the most recent book that I read that I found really intriguing was Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life and it, and it was, it was just you know I like I like uh self-improvement and and professional development type books business books um but the way that he frames some of the the reasons for um, acting in a, you know, a morally virtuous way or it's, it, and how he talks about it in that book, it, it's, it's really, uh, it's really interesting. Okay. So what, what are you reading right now? What am I reading right now? It's funny. Sometimes I feel like I should take a picture of my nightstand because there's about 14 books all open to different pages all at once. <laughs> and that was, uh, that was funny. It was a, uh, I think it was a post by Navel Ravikant, who's a, an angel investor down in the States. And uh, I came across him through a Tim Ferriss podcast. I thought he was awesome. And he kind of, you know, a lot of people get stuck on not starting reading book because they're worried that they're going to commit themselves to finishing it. And he kind of said, don't do that. You know, if you pick up a book and you don't, you're not interested in reading the next page, put it down, go to something else. So I kind of been following that for a while. So I've got two or three books open in Kindle and, a lot open on my nightstand i kind of like paper a little bit better uh-huh. so what am i reading right at this moment i'd say chet holmes's ultimate selling machine or business machine something like that as well as a reread of jordan peterson's 12 rules for life and <laughs> we could kind of start and i'm honestly this is gonna sound i was like oh you know what's the best selling book ever and i looked it up and it was the bible and i went I haven't read that one. And I'm going to read the Bible. So I've got a couple of different Bibles now that I'm picking away at because the King James version is a little bit difficult to read. And then you kind of cross-reference it with a new international version. You kind of get something that's uh, followable. And um, so I'm, I'm picking away at that right now, which I find uh, interesting. So that's what I've got going on right now for reading. <laughs> you have a voracious mind. Um what is the smartest thing you've ever done? Oh, man. I've done so many not smart things. We'll get to that <laughs> next. We'll get to that next. Gonna no problem. Smart. I'm going to jump again. What is the smartest thing that I've ever done? You know what? I mean, from marrying my wife, who's been really, you know, she holds me to the highest standard possible, you know, and 
and I and I love her for that. And I, I we've been married for oh boy, it's been it's been nine years we've been married, but we've been together for more like eighteen or something. And and it's 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 always the same. It's always that she expects me to be right at you know right at the top. And when I don't get there, I get to hear about it. And um, you know what? That's okay. I I I have high standards for myself, for my businesses, and for my family. And 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 I need somebody there to to rein me in and and to hold me to those. And it's uh and remind me of what I'm doing. So I would say you know marrying my wife and then ha- and our kids having our kids having we have three young boys. Um, I mean it's it's. It's another form of work, but it's, it's so rewarding. And, 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 you know, when, you know, you're boy, reading at night, just reading stories at night or, or hanging out, you know, it's, um, it's, it's, it's been pretty cool. So that's, that's probably at the top of the right decisions right there. Okay. So now you get to tell us about the dumbest thing you've done. Oh, there's been a cop, you know, there's been a few, a few doozies like, well, I incorporated precision tree services in the same month that we got married and that was something that I would not advocate to anybody ever because when you start your own business and and I was already running it as a sole proprietorship, but when I incorporated, I mean, I bought equipment, I started doing it full time. Like this was how I made money. Um, you know, you don't believe it or not, contrary to popular belief, you don't uh, have all the time in the world and you're not actually, um, you know, free to do whatever you please. Cause you're now, uh, instead of working for one boss, every single customer is your boss. So you've got a lot of them and well, if you're doing it right, you've got a lot of them. And, um, it was very, uh, it was very difficult, uh, to, to try to start working on our young marriage and a young company. And, and it really, it was uh, a tough thing. We also, we also decided to move directly from the hospital in Victoria when we had our first son back up to Comox. So we had a son and moved like literally we left the hospital and came to Comox after we were released. And it was, that was a bit of a difficult turn too, because when you have a new baby, yeah. it's not all peas and carrots. Like they cry and, and, you know, as a first time parent, it's like something we, you know, I talk to people that are pregnant for the first now and they've got all these ideas and uh, you know, it's great to be really positive, but <laughs> with three now, it's kind of like, uh, <laughs> good, good luck with that there. Uh, yeah, yeah, you'll get lots of sleep. <laughs> okay, so what's the scariest thing you've ever done, and, and how did you get through it? Oh, man. Well, there's a, I mean, I, I mean, there's like, there's physical fear for your life fear, and then there's like kind of the fear that you have built up in your head for doing something. So one of the scariest things I remember, to be honest, is when I, I handed my old boss the check to buy the equipment to start precision tree services full time to incorporate. And I remember it was our life savings. It was everything, everything, $50,000. And I remember writing that check in the cab of his truck with him there now, right before going into his lawyer's office to sign papers and everything. And I was just, I was shaking like a leaf and sweating. And oh my gosh, I just, it was, it was terrifying. And it was just all this pressure now put right on my shoulders to try to go out there and do it. You know, um, that is, that is terrifying. And you know what, even, even even now, you know, like I put a lot of pressure on myself for little worker safety year. I'm saying like we're talking about saving kids' lives. If we can just save one kid's life, it's worth it. And and I've kind of taken that on myself and I put a lot of pressure on myself to, to to make it work. Like it's we've moved mountains to keep the company going and to keep manufacturing and like I think nobody knows nobody knows about that type of uh dedication and and commitment other than uh, unless people have you've started your own company and you're you're an entrepreneur it's um it's a it it, it's a big deal and the sacrifices that you make from time to money to uh everything it's um it can be scary and it can be overwhelming and you can feel pretty alone sometimes which is why you know having 
having an organization like, you know, uh, like Lyft in the Comanche Valley Chamber of Commerce or Rotary Clubs or Young Professionals Clubs, like they all serve a purpose and they're all very related in that, you know, it's a good place to kind of relax, meet people in similar situations and just kind of, you know, realize that you might be doing it alone, but there's a lot of people that are kind of doing it. And, and when you associate with those people, it, it kind of makes it less lonely and less scary. Yep, I agree. So <clears throat> what new belief, behavior, or habit, and this is something I've actually taken from Tim Ferriss from the Tribes of, or Tribe of Titans uh, podcast. I like this question. What new belief, behavior, or habit adopted within the last five years is having the most positive impact on your life today? Hmm. I'm trying to think of something new that I've been doing that um, hmm. this isn't really a, a, a new thing but I think I think you know like getting up and going to work and, and really dedicating yourself to, to something and, and, and making it that a consistent habit is just, even if you don't feel like it, even if it's raining, even if you're sick, just getting up and going to, to, to work and sticking to that schedule. I think that, you know, I've always kind of done that. So it's not really within the last five years, but I think a big key to any success that I, that I would have would be this, the, the, you know, the dedication to see, I guess, the light at the tunnel and, and to think about the big picture, right? And to to really, you know, don't let the day-to-day minutia drag you down, you know, think about, think about how you're going to get better. One of the things that I've really recently read that I, that I really like um, is, you know, don't compare yourself to other people, but compare yourself to yourself and try to improve yourself every day and because when you compare yourself to other people you're always going to be in that you're going to there's always going to be somebody that has more somebody that's doing somehow better or achieving something that you're not and it's not really a fair comparison so when you compare yourself to your yourself you're really setting your own bar and and through little tiny you know incremental improvements you get very good at what you're focusing on doing and you know the best people in the world didn't just wake up one morning as the best people in the world like at what they do you know i'm not i'm not trying to uh classify people as either good or or bad or better or worse but the people who are the best in the world at what they do probably spent 10 or 15 or 20 years working to get there and you can't really compare yourself as like a 20 year old or a 30 year old or even a 40 or 50 year old person with somebody else. So the, the best that you can do is to, to try to improve yourself a little bit every day and, and be content with that too. Okay. Good one. So if you could have a conversation with someone who died before you were born, who would that be? And what would you talk about? Hmm. Who would I talk to? You know what? I would really like. There's a couple of things, and I'll probably get in trouble. But I mean, that's fine. Um, I'm fine with trouble. Um, I'd like to see if Marcus Aurelius, you know, was really, really like like he is in Meditations in his book Meditations. It's one of my favorite books of all time, and. He just seems like so in the writing, it, like, you know, there's been so many translations of that, yeah. you know, is that, is that really how he was in real life? Was he really that <laughs> under control and able to pull himself outside of these situations and reflect at the end of the day that, you know, you're, you're not supposed to be angry with your neighbor because you're following the same path and, you know, and that kind of thing. And, and, and along those lines, because I am reading the Bible, I've got this, this thing and like, you know, I'd like to know if Jesus Christ was around. Like if that, if that whole deal went down, that's some serious stuff. And, uh, and how it happened, you know? So that's kind of what I'd like to know. Okay. Okay. Um, you're a Vancouver Islander. 
what is one thing every Islander should do this year? Something that most of us don't know about or don't appreciate the value of. Hmm. Like something with regard to, to Vancouver Island, something on Vancouver Island, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Pick it how you want it. Okay. Uh, what is something on the Island that, you know, we don't know. We all live in some pretty, pretty different environments from up and down, like from Hardy down to Victoria. It's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. So I would, I would say go and find a quiet place somewhere and just appreciate the Island. I mean, it's, and you could do that wherever you were at the Southern tip or the Northern tip and anywhere in between is, you know, we live in a pretty beautiful place and, and, um, I personally wouldn't want to live anywhere else. People ask me if, if I'd want to go somewhere or do something and I kind of go, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm in the best place that she can be. And, you know, that's how I feel about where I live. And if I didn't, I'd, I'd move somewhere where I did feel that way. So I think that there's a lot of people in the Valley that, that feel that way. And on the Island that feel that way, that we were very lucky to, to, to live in where it was probably the best place in the world. Well, let's not be humble about it. It is. And you know, um, it's the best (laughs) place in the world. So, well, we do, we've got a little bit of winter, but it's not bad. And then we've got, summer and nice conditions in one of the best countries to live in anywhere and it's not super hot for a super long time we don't have crazy crazy droughts or anything you know like there's no crazy you know natural disaster type things that frequent us it's uh it's pretty tame that way so i think that you know i I just people appreciate it and and if you don't you should go go check out some other places and come back and um you know, would say. Okay. Now, <clears throat> if someone gave you a million dollars and said, take this million dollars and support local entrepreneurs, what would you do? What, 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 what three things might you do? Hmm. I thought I was just going to get a million dollars because I've got that answer locked down. I just put it in the bank and live off the interest. Um, <laughs> might be some choice for like thinking along those lines if you created a fund like if you invested that money and then didn't touch the the principal but use the interest to fund different people's startups and and to use it for um you know bringing people in to talk about different entrepreneurial ventures and different types of businesses and trying to um help people connect through that i think that would be pretty that would be pretty cool so pretty boring but exciting answer would be you know invest it smartly and then and then use the proceeds to help um bring people together and and help people to start something that they might not be able to do on their own because it does take quite a bit to to finance something like start a business um you know i i think that would be that would be at the top and then, because I mean, I think that you achieve a, a number of things by doing that one thing. Like, and that one thing would be a lot of things, right? So you could, yeah. you, you could go that way with it, right? Like, and you wouldn't necessarily know what you were helping, but you could, you could, you know, you, you have an event and somebody comes and gets inspired. It comes up with an idea and yeah. a year or two years later, there's a business that pops up, right? I mean, like it, you just, it's a great way to help everybody doing something like that. So I, I, that's probably what I would do. I would choose that as, as, as number one, A, B, and C. Okay. Well, that, that, that's a good one. So the next question follows up on that is what would, let's say you could do that, or let's say you're seeing the kind of energy that that's happening in this community. What will your community look like in five, 10 or 20 or 25 years? If all went according to, your plans and wishes like what would this place look like in terms of business and and startups and stuff like that well i think we're all going like my like they all well if you if you read about how the economy is going people talk about being in the connection economy or the entrepreneurial economy i think that like a lot of the industry that that we built the 
infrastructure on is kind of, you know, it goes in and out, you know, whether it's logging or, or resource-based, um, natural resource-based things, or there's a finite, um, you know, amount of these things of, of, of minerals in the ground, of trees in the air. And, um, you know, I think, I think what there's always a steady, you know, steady stream uh, of, and an, uh, like an unlimited amount of like creative potential in any people. So I think that to keep people here and to get them, um, you know, to, to keep uh, the economy moving here, I think that like entrepreneurs and people that are starting their own businesses and, and working for themselves and, and, and like the way that one of the words that popped up in, in a previous interview with somebody was geoagnostic. So, you know, you're not limited by geographic boundaries anymore it's because the internet has kind of broken that down and you can run an e-commerce business or, you know, like a video game, a video game building place or a manufacturer or coder or code websites or there's a number of you know or even a you know even a, a furniture store on fifth street could have a website that sells across the world um you're not limited by the geographic boundaries of the area um and so i would say that like seeing more people starting their own businesses and working for themselves like ultimately that's one of my big goals is like try to help people work for themselves and not really for a wage because i think that i think that when you're given the the ability to work for yourself it's really rewarding and and you know it's 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 forces people to to be better people and to to really to level up so i think that creating an entrepreneurial economy so an economy that's based on entrepreneurism and starting businesses and and really giving value would be where i'd want to see us and i think we need to go that way because i mean the mill and courtney's down um what else kind of is there other than tour you know we got tourism and recreation which is great and that's awesome but you're relying on other people to come here you know like it's kind of uh, i'm not i've lacked the words for it but you know if we could keep that going, it'd be great. It's awesome. But if there's a recession and nobody goes on vacation, then our industry's going. Um, right. So you've got a steady stream of people that are starting new and innovative companies and, and, you know, creating jobs and, and investing in infrastructure. You're going to have a pretty stable and cool place to work. That's, that'll be, that'll be fun. <laughs> what advice do you have for young entrepreneurs on Vancouver Island? maybe i don't know this might be a bad thing but it's gonna be hard and and i mean that in a not a way to dissuade people but to be prepared that it's gonna be hard and you know what you're not gonna know you're not gonna know and if you don't know that's okay because nobody knows and you're just the the if you wait, if you wait until everything's perfect and that, you know, it's not going to happen. So I think you have to be willing to be uncomfortable starting a business, you know, and it doesn't mean to be foolish and do something without any doing market research or, um, or, you know, starting small and asking around with a minimum viable product and moving it and getting feedback from people. Um, but I think that, you know, be ready that it's going to be hard and you're not going to know what that means until you're in it. Um, trust me on that one. <laughs> and that it's okay not to know and that nobody knows because you know what? Like I, I feel like a bad person to be giving any kind of advice because I feel like every day I wake up and I'm kind of like motivated um, and excited to tackle the challenges that present themselves because they always do. And that, you know what, you'll figure it out. And, and if you don't, you're going to do your best to figure it out anyway. And, and that's really all you can do. So that, that's what I would say to prepare people. You don't, you know, taking post-secondary education is great. It is, you know, but it's not necessary to start a business. You know, what is it? You got to start, you know, you got to start somewhere with something. So 
that's what I would say is, you know, you got to do things. Okay. So this is uh, the last couple of questions here and they're a bit lighter. So what is something uh, quirky or yeah, something quirky about you that uh, people, most people don't know about? Hmm. That's interesting. Well, what could I say there? Uh, <laughs> um, it's tough because I kind of put everything out there, right? So I'm trying to think about something that would be um, not super known. Well, I mean, I grew up in the Comox Valley and, and you know, I took, took I went to North Island College. I went to Malaspina. I even went to Camosun for a little bit. Um, I think that... <sighs> Hmm. <laughs> I am, I am, I really, I mean, I guess it's not really quirky. I bought a boat and with the idea, uh, like, I don't know if this is how normal people buy boats, but I, we bought a boat a couple of years ago. I have no idea how to run a boat. I don't know nothing about it, but I didn't know anything about fishing, but I wanted to be able to like teach my boys how to fish. And so I thought, well, I'll get this boat while they're young. I'll try to learn how to fish. And then when they get older, we'll be able to go and spend time on the boat and it won't be all about work. Right. So, I mean, that's kind of a weird way to buy a boat, <laughs> but ah, it's a work in progress. I think it's a good idea to buy that, that, that. That's, that's why I bought a boat or I bought into a boat was yeah. I, I realized that I, I, I knew nothing about sailing, but I knew that when I was on the boat, I was relaxed. Yeah. And so, yeah. So, you know, that, that's um, so, so I like that. That's great. So here's the final question. Uh, do you like food? Well, this is a pre question. You like food, right? You like to eat? I definitely eat. <laughs> okay. What's your favorite place to eat in the whole world? Oh, I'm going to give you probably the most boring answer in the world, but it's the truth. So we'll just go with it. But I like to be at home with my family at the dinner table and, <laughs> You know what? My wife makes some pretty awesome stuff. And I mean, I, I know, you know, everybody's different, but I mean, there's just something about, you know, sitting around the table together and, and enjoying a meal with your family that is, uh, is something that you can't really put a price tag on. So, you know, it's not, it's not cause it's the cheapest thing. It's not cause it's the easiest thing. Cause it's, sometimes it's not, you know, but it's, it's worth it. And, and, you know, some days, you know, maybe make it a barbecue so that I can burn some hamburgers, too. There, throw that out there. And, um, and, and everybody's, you know, it's everybody's good. Everybody's, you know, in the, I, I can picture it right now, you know, like somebody's throwing food. It's not perfect because it never is with kids, you know, just kind of like business. It's just it is what it is, you know, <laughs> difficult, but it's also rewarding. And so you throw, somebody's throwing few food, somebody's yelling there's probably a toy that shouldn't be at the table you know the dog's licking someone's feet and smells really good right so just just being with family that's what i would say that's a that's it's really interesting i i ask this of everybody i um i interview and right now i think it's about 75 uh, percent or more are saying dinner at home cool <laughs> yeah, yeah so that, and that, and I, would that guess, I would guess some like nice restaurant you know great you know but yeah you know yeah okay well thanks a lot james for taking the time i know you're super busy with two businesses and three sons and you're you know you're married and um you got lots on the go so i really appreciate you taking the time for doing this and um best of luck if there's anything we can do or anything i can do to um support you uh you've been an inspiration for me and you've been a you know a big part of the lift story so i really appreciate that thank you no problem, Hans. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk, and I, I had a good time, and uh, I'm sure we'll see you around and talk to you later. Okay, take care. Yeah, thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Lyft Podcasts, a series all about the entrepreneurs, creatives, and resource people who are growing local businesses. If you liked what you heard, please share via email or social media. And if you are sharing via social media, please use Vancouver Island's talent brand or talent tag hashtag w e a r e v a n i s l that's hashtag we are van isle this is one of the tools we've created to promote entrepreneurs on the island 
Lyft is able to do its work thanks to the support of solution sponsors like SureCopy Courtney, Mastermind Strategy, 50th Parallel Public Relations, Finneron Hyundai, Jabin Postal Films, Presley and Partners, and 98.9 The Goat, as well as community partners like Atlas Cafe, The Island Word, My Tech Guys, McKinnon Photography, Island Soul Films, Investors Group, The Creator Space, and Douglas Magazine. Together, we're making shift happen for local businesses. Thanks for listening.